Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. By no one's demand, but our own from our home office here in sunny, scenic, snowy even, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. And it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Hello, friends. Happy Tuesday. I don't know that you are in as good a spirits as I am, but I hope that you are doing right living well in the midst of all that is going on. The Tennessee Titans season, it came to a close Sunday at Nissan Stadium, the first home game, home playoff game in 12 years, the first division title winner in 12 years. Fell summarily short. We're going to talk with Diana Rossini of ESPN, who was there with me at Nissan Stadium to cover the game for you. We're going to get into a lot of different stuff. Arthur Smith's head coach candidacy, what all's happening in free agency, why the Titans ended up falling the way that they did, and why she was surprised they even made it that far. A great conversation ahead with our good friend Diana. Meanwhile, I got to remind you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Of course, you know that they're Nashville's headquarters for the 2021 Ford Bronco, but also the new line of vehicles that have been rolled out in this new year, the new F-150, the electric Mach-E Mustang. You can go online to tworiversford.com. You can schedule a test drive there. You can go out to Mount Juliet and visit them. And you know what they're going to do when you go pay them a visit is make sure that you deal with their non-commissioned sales staff who, no matter whether they make the sale or not, they receive their salary. It makes all the difference in the world because it removes the pressure from the car buying and car search experience. That's why they're the best when it comes to customer service at Two Rivers Ford. You know they're powered by Ford, but just like this show, they are driven by the people. Two Rivers Ford. Okay, let's get to Diana Rossini. All right, Diana Rossini, our friend from ESPN, is here on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. A pleasure as always to have her presence on the podcast. Diana, it was great to see you on Sunday uh, in the uh, in the very brief playoff appearance for the Tennessee Titans. But there's a lot going on here still in Tennessee. we got a lot to talk about today. I hope you're ready. Yeah, it's always busy. Usually by now, everyone's on vacation. The postseason reports are all done. The summaries are all wrapped up. But Tennessee just keeps giving. Uh, which is why I love I love covering the Titans because they do always keep it interesting. Uh, look, I, I'm always going to go with I'm shocked they even made it to the playoffs this season. So I think for fans, they should be thrilled. 
uh, with the roster they had, with, with you know the, the multiple hurdles that they had to overcome or at least get over. Um, you know, it, it was a really impressive season for for a team that I didn't really think had that same magic that they had last year. Oh yeah, I mean, you talk about going going on vacation. My girlfriend is cursing me right now because she she doesn't understand that the, what, the games are over. Why can't we Why can't we take a long weekend or whatever? I'm like, no. There's free agency. There's draft. There's all sorts of stuff that I got to do. And uh, and unfortunately, for for the purposes of my home life, it's uh, it's detrimental. But let's start there. Let's kind of flesh out what you just said about surprise that they even made it to the playoffs because. Largely the conversation here, Diana, is was this year considered a failure? The expectations of a team who came into this season off an AFC uh, championship game run, improbable though it may have been, surprising though it may have been, the moves that John Robinson made and the roster that Mike Vrabel and his staff went into the season with, here we thought that they should be capable of competing for, if not an AFC title game, again, a Super Bowl appearance. And then things fell the way that they did and kind of crumbled around them in a way that was clear and obvious to everyone. But you were surprised that they made it to the point that they did. Explain for the audience, if you would. Well, looking from just that roster standpoint, we know John Robinson was committed to getting them to getting a pass rusher, right? So we know the Vic Beasley situation didn't work out. Jadavion, it was... It was heating up. Maybe maybe that's the best way to describe it. It was getting better. He's still Jadavian Clowney. Uh, but obviously an injury is, is going to put them behind. There's nothing that they can do about that. And then we go to the draft where, where we think, you know, the Titans are going to beef up their offensive line. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not even sure how to describe what happened uh, there with Isaiah Wilson. And, and, and it, apparently coach doesn't know how to describe it either. Or at least he didn't want to uh, in his, uh, I guess, exit interview or exit press conference. Uh, yesterday so right there all the all the issues that were going to be addressed fall to the wayside and and now you're left with the pieces of of a team that just didn't have enough from 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 my thought um to to really be successful then we had the COVID thing to start the season off and the schedule changes um so there was just a, a big mix I think of things and and I think they got lucky a lot of times uh, when they oh, were able yes. to pull a lot of wins. A lot of really uh, lucky things. I think there were some really good coaching moments too. Um, there were some great, obviously, player production. But but all in all, you know, this team was different than they were last season. I think we even knew that coming into this year, it wasn't going to be the same. Um, but for for what this roster was, who these players are. I, I think they, they got the best out of them. I think everyone gets frustrated about this defense. And, and, I, and we hear it. We see it on Twitter. People ask me all the time, actually, what, what's the story with the defense? Why are they so bad? Get a defensive coordinator. And I think sometimes people confuse coaching with personnel. Yes. And, and you have to look at And this is no knock on these players. These guys play hard. But, but we're not talking about an elite group here. We're talking about a very average, very average defense. And, and the fact that they were actually pretty good against the Ravens is so commendable. But this had, in my opinion, I didn't think this had anything to do with, with Shane Bowen's calls or Mike Vrabel's. I think this had to do with just the guys that they have out there. 
Wyatt Ray and Tuzar Skipper are not going to win you an AFC wildcard weekend, Diana. It's just not going to happen. And listen, with the, 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 the onus ultimately falls for the personnel issues. Cause that's what we're discussing falls at the feet of John Robinson, not just for a draft class that, that had negligible impact on the year. And maybe we'll spend a little time on Isaiah Wilson. Uh, that that's a podcast unto itself. And I know you don't got all day. Uh, but you do the clowny deal 10 times out of 10 again, not knowing that his body would fail him. In my opinion, maybe you feel differently. If you feel, if, if you do push back on me, I'm, ha- I'm happy to hear a rebuttal. Here's what I'm going to push back on. Please. Because I was talking to other teams during his very long pre-agency. Yes. His knee issue was a concern for a lot of teams. So it just makes me wonder how much, the Titans really looked into that and you got to figure they know about it. They're, they, they have a great medical staff, uh, but also, you know, we know Vrabel has experience with Clowney before and he knows his injuries. He knows he's prone to them. Um, you know, you, you can't predict an injury and, and, and you know, to, to their defense, but I, I still think that was a gamble of, of a signing. Okay. And, and that, that brings us back to the larger point which which does involve Isaiah Wilson and Jadavion Clowney and Vic Beasley, because Mike said something yesterday in his uh, last day of school press conference talking about, you know, wanting to focus on guys who love football. And I asked him a question at the end of the press conference about, you know, did this year not trying to give you guys the opportunity to provide yourself with excuses Everything was different for every team around the league when it came to player evaluation because of the way that COVID just impacted the 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 annual the you know the NFL uh, yearly schedule right with free agency with the draft. Uh, Mike, just going back to a, a couple questions ago about uh, you saying you wanted you need to identify players who who love football who love to play football. I know you can only do what you can with the situation that that was presented this year with with COVID having an effect on on free agency and, and draft evaluations and thing like things like that. Do you think it was made substantially harder to identify guys like that because because of what the pandemic kind of did to the process? I mean, we all were you know we were all working under the same rules, Buck. So you know, I don't know. I know that it made it difficult to do a lot of things, or it made it different. And so, you know, that was. That was the challenge that was presented to us. Um, and if those are the, that's how we have to operate, then, then we'll, we'll need to continue to, to improve. And we always want to improve our evaluation process and find guys that, that are going to come in and, and fit what we do. Yeah, I mean, the combine was the last normal NFL event I feel like we had. That feels like 20 years ago when we're all in Indianapolis uh, at Prime 47. And probably all getting COVID. Oh, yeah, 1,000%, that bar circuit around the uh, the Indiana Convention Center in the state of my youth, the state of my birth. It, it makes me very happy that once a year the NFL goes on spring break and they go to my college bar at Kilroy's. It, it warms my heart. It really does. But anyway. that, must be, that must be so weird, but but awesome. Like when you, especially because you've been to Kilroy's and you look around and you see the faces of, you know, some big time coaches, oh, yeah. GM owners, that must be strange to think like that's the same place where you used to go and like try to pick up chicks right no, like, it makes me very happy because then i can tell them about the stuffed breadsticks that they have at kilroy's and i'm the hero at the bar it makes me very happy at 1 45 in the morning anyway 
with, with the player evaluation process, they missed on Isaiah Wilson, undisputably. The, the issues, uh, the laundry list, it looks more like a rap sheet than, than, a, than a, a checklist of things that he has gone through. Jadavion Clowney, you mentioned people doing due diligence around the league on the injuries that he had, and, and knee injuries have been an issue for Jadavion since he came into the NFL ultimately what ended his season. Vic Beasley, I know you said it yourself on Twitter, complete uh, utter utter shock and surprise that they would even look at this guy. And Diana, when, when they cut him in the middle of the season, John Robinson said to us, we had initially considered a multi-year deal. And the rest of us are sitting back in our chair like, what are you talking about? In what world? Hell, I, you know, I don't have, I'm not connected in Atlanta. I, I talked to other media people there, maybe, but everybody with a Twitter account understood the problems, the clear and obvious issues with Vic Beasley. And so we come back to come back to this evaluation process where they have m- missed on very, very important $21.75 million lit on fire on two guys who couldn't play for different reasons. And Isaiah Wilson, their first round draft pick, just to act being asked to GTFO from the team in the middle of the season while they're trying just to get the AFC. It's crazy. You don't see this happen a lot where a team, an organization just is like, go away, just go away. You're going to get us in trouble. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And, and, you know, I want to first say with the Isaiah Wilson, you know, saga, whenever, or at least when I first started, I immediately went with, there's something wrong more serious. There's an issue here. This isn't just a guy that, that is, you know, lacks discipline or doesn't want to play football. There's something wrong. Um, and so I was, I remember feeling uh, sad actually for him sure. because, you know, a, a lot of people were crushing it and crushing him. And, and, you know, where is this guy? What's he doing? And, and I just, I don't know. My instincts just told me that I bet you there's, there, there's a bigger thing going on here or something else. Um, but then it just continued, and 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 look, there could be something. I, I don't know. I, I never I never really dug on it uh, to find out if there's some if there's a, a, a problem here. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, the transition from college to the NFL is not good. And you know, you go back to the draft process there after the combine. You know, this isn't a guy who sat in a room with John Robinson and Mike Rabel. They zoomed with him, yeah. and they made this decision off of Zoom. And and we do these all the time for a living now. They're, they're not the most personal things. I mean, that's fine. Like, I feel like you and I get along on zoom. We get along a lot better in person though. And, and <laughs> you know, there's a lot, there's a, a lot more authentic energy and, and body language that you can read just things that, that I've heard GMs and coaches in the past talk to me about when they're talking to a guy, when they're looking in his eye. Uh, so you have to wonder back to your point that, you know, the question that you brought up in the press conference um, on Monday, uh, you know, maybe that hurt them a little, maybe they didn't get that man to man face to face, um, opportunity to see if maybe he wasn't the right guy. Um, you know, the Vic Beasley thing, the multi-year deal thing is just comical. (laughs) All you got to do is Google Vic Beasley. And it's like the first story that comes up is that the Falcons had to have a, a, you know, coaches sit with him to try to help him understand if he wanted to play the game anymore. You know, he lost his passion. He It just didn't take much, which is why I was so surprised they signed him, knowing that the culture, which I think is tremendous, that's like the one part of when I think of the Tennessee Titans, they have a culture that's built there. You talk to every player, and they all use the same language, phrases, words, which 
to me, that's always a sign that it's it, that it's coming from the leaders and, and it's trickling down. The, the greatest organizations I cover have that type of style. And I'm, I see it in Tennessee. Um, so to have a guy that wasn't sure if he even liked football, which we've all been through our own, I'm sure, challenges in life where you're not sure what you want to do anymore. Um, that just seemed like a red flag. But they were desperate and they needed they needed a player. Uh, and, and it just didn't work out. And, and unfortunately, the storyline in the last game was the pass rush actually got a little bit better. Go for Five sacks. It Are was the only me? time. <laughs> Five sacks. Where did that come from? I couldn't, be- I couldn't believe what I was watching. Good for them. And, and now they're at home on the couch with the rest of us. And I'm, I'm disappointed as a result because I loved covering the playoffs last year. It's a rare enough thing here in Tennessee, awesome. Diana. It doesn't happen every day. But anyway. So now we head into we head into the offseason, free agency. You lit a fire, set a bomb off in my Twitter Sorry. mentions. It's just so disrespectful what you did. I consider our, uh, us to be friends, uh, even though most of our interactions have been on Zooms. I, I'm a, a huge Diana Rossini fan, except for yesterday, because Sorry. you quote tweeted another friend of the podcast, Mina Kimes, uh, in response to, I believe Mina had said, uh, who, who was the team that Mina had? It, linked- it was, it was Alan Robinson right. saying that he's open to looking at everything that's on the table, essentially for his free agency in which she quote tweeted, Hey Ravens. And so I quote tweeted that and said, Hey Titans. Yes. And then immediately my DMS flooded. My mentions just became a cesspool. And, and honestly, it's a conversation worth having because Corey Davis is out of here. Um, Corey Davis, it's, it's, uh, he, he was tremendous throughout the course of the regular season in the last three games for a variety of different reasons. And you can make excuses for any players, but I do one. I think he got, I think he's just not as good at professional football as Jair Alexander is uh, at playing corner for the green Bay Packers. Shut him down five catches, 13 yards in the last three games of a season in uh, a contract year for him. The, the death of his brother, uh, throughout the course of the season, the the birthday of his brother being on the day that they played the Houston Texans and the drops that resulted, he had the crucial third down catch to keep the chains moving, set up Tannehill and A.J. Brown for that 52-yard completion that got uh, the, the thick kicker two Cs. I love Sam Sloman uh, for being able to hit that field goal at the end, but, you know, bad game for him. The the one catch though maybe mitigated, and then yesterday or excuse me Sunday he gets uh, he gets two targets, no receptions, and he finishes the game when they're driving down four on the sideline with an injury. Um, Corey Davis's market is going to be complicated by everything that COVID is going to do the salary cap this year, but for my money, Diana, I don't know if they can spend that kind of money on a wide receiver. Give me Allen Robinson every time over Corey Davis. I just don't think it's feasible with with the financial implications. Yeah, I, they would definitely have to get creative, uh, make moves, redo deals uh, if they'd want to make that. But the only reason why I threw that out there, that was actually from a conversation that I was having with some Titans people back last season. That's okay. where that really came from, where one of the person I was talking to um, they don't have a very high position, but they have a media, they have some influence uh, with the Titans organization had told me they love Allen Robinson. And so I just kind of always kept that in the back of my mind. And um, I think they're crazy if they don't go after him. I think they'll try. I think Allen Robinson is going to get a gigantic deal though. And he's yes. looking to get paid. 
Um, he should he should be compensated on the back end for his suffering in uh, Chicago. God bless that. And man. the thing is, he would fit so well. I had a really uh, a really unusual situation last season. I uh, I was flying home from Chicago after a game back to New Jersey, and the Bears had won, and they gave the players the next day the next two days off. And Alan was flying back to Jersey to see his family, and he sat next to me. And we talked the whole flight. And I wish I could say that I got all the scoop about him. He was obsessed with learning about being a broadcaster. Really? Obsessed. Like, wants to go into TV, wants to do stuff for sh- in Chicago. Like, that's, he was so passionate about it. Uh, but we also, you know, we, we, we did have a little conversation about, you know, playing at Penn State and, you know, the, the type of team he wants to be part of. And, and I think even last year he knew it was time. It was time. Um, so, but, but just from talking to him and, and what's, what's a, you know, two hour conversation, but it was enough for me to think now that I cover the Titans so much, like, gosh, this guy would be awesome with this team. Like, he's just a good dude. And, and I think he fit, but like you said, can they make it work financially? Cause he's going to be breaking the bank. Well, 20 unrestricted free agents here, uh, several offensive key pieces, Jonu Smith, Corey Davis, as we mentioned, on the defensive side of the ball, you have Jayon Brown, Daquan Jones, the nose tackle, um, and, and a variety of different role players on this team. But then you have the thing that, that I feel like we have talked about all year long because of the pandemic, um, but I don't know that it's necessarily clicked with fans just how much of a, of a veteran uh, salary cap casualty bloodbath <laughs> this offseason is going to be. And I look at specifically guys like Kenny Vaccaro here in Nashville, Adam Humphreys, who unfortunately has dealt with su- significant, I mean, severe concussion issues yeah. that ended his season in a way that, that is hugely troublesome. And of course you hope um, that he is, that he, that he is okay. And he is able to rebound, but ultimately the business of the NFL is, is cold that way. And if the guy can't play, he's, uh, can't play, he's making too much money and you're looking to cut costs. That's one of the first places that you look. How much do you think that's going to impact the way that GMs make financial decisions, GMs and their their salary cap experts that they have, that they work with in conjunction? Just how bad do you think it's going to be this offseason for the vets? Yeah, I, I think that's actually going to be their biggest issue. I think going into the offseason, as much as it's going to be whatever, we'll get to all the free agent stuff, the draft things that they're going to be looking for. Uh, but finding a way to to make the money work and, and give them enough fluidity to, to, to get players and bring back the players they want. Uh, you know, as you were talking, I was just thinking, I remember last year, last off season, you know, with them moving on from Logan Ryan and, and Jack Conklin. And, you know, that was, I thought it was smart. I thought it was a really good way to save. I, I know fans were not happy about it. Hell, we know Logan Ryan wasn't happy about it. No. Uh, he wanted to stay. Um, but that was re- that was a really smart – those were smart decisions. Um, as much as I think we like to crush Sean Robinson, and I think that, that, that was a good move. Um, but, yeah, no, going back to this year, I, I think I – think, I mean, every team is facing this. They're all going to be dealing with the, the, the same issue here. But um, this team has got to figure out a way to get players. And, you know, Vrabel said it in the exit interview – the Titans are going to look a lot different uh, from, from the, from the player standpoint, from the coaching standpoint, from the front office, which 
thought that was really powerful when he said that. I was surprised he went as hard on that as he did. And maybe, but maybe you heard it differently. It just seemed like, wow, all right, they're going to be making significant changes here. Well, I, I think it, it hit me a little less hard just because of the way at the combine John Robinson handled the, the same kind of the same kind of question about guys like Logan Ryan. And and at that point, we did not know that it meant Jarrell Casey being shipped off for for parts. Yeah, but it, about that. it did mean Jarrell Casey getting traded for a seventh round pick because John was very clear and obvious uh, in in not not so much to say as he was he was letting people know, yeah, we're going to trade Jarrell Casey, but just very adamant in the idea that, yeah, this is not going to be the same football team that we're going to bring back. We're going to do the things that we think can help us with the continuity to replicate or try and replicate the success that they had during that AFC championship uh, game appearance. Um, But they were very, very blunt with anybody who was listening to them. You just had to pay attention to the words that were being used. It's easy to gloss over those kind of things, I think, in press conferences because, you know, how closely are fans parsing the words? But those those things matter, and I think it it should prepare people for very very stark changes that are going to be made going back to last season. So I I did notice it. I don't think it hit me quite as hard as John did last year because of what John had said, and then what they ended up doing uh, yeah. with with the roster as a result. Yeah, the Jarrell Casey thing was definitely shocking last year, but like you said, when you put the pieces together, it was like, oh, actually, that kind of made a lot of sense. It was just really who Jarrell Casey was and what he represented and, and being such a big part of that team. And, and, you know, Buck, it actually makes me think about one of the pieces that I think the Titans are still missing, which is really strong leadership on the player side. Um, I haven't, like, I, th- I think these guys are, are, they mesh really well. And unfortunately I have not been in that locker room. I haven't been around them this year because of COVID. I only sure. see them on the field. Um, but just that, that, that accountability type leadership that, you know, w- when I cover the Saints a lot, when, when guys make mistakes, when guys aren't doing things, you see a guy like Cam Jordan, get, like go up to his guys and get in their faces and sort of have that standard. New England was like that for years. Not so much this past season. I don't think they had, well, they actually still have a lot of leaders, but not the way it used to be. I mean, obviously we saw Brady, how many, you know, we, we used to see him go at everybody. Mm. Um, I just think that could be something. And, and I don't know if this is something the team feels they need, but I just always thought from an outsider of like, I, who, who is that guy on this team? Who is the guy that's kind of represents the Titan way that is going to hold these guys accountable and, 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 really start to build something that could be awesome there. Well, I'll give you the two who it was and, and, and you're, 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 you're spot on because Kevin Byard talked about this yesterday and people kind of look at Kevin Byard, who has been very much uh, a very good player. Not he had a down year this year and and they all had a down year as a result defensively, but he kind of said this in his, in his end of year comments, you know, I want to take greater strides to, to be that presence, but it was on the defensive side of the ball, Jarrell Casey. And then, in a way that I think was bigger even than Jarrell for as, as long a tenure as he had here. It's Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker used to call dudes out, not by name, but just kind of as, you know, as a, a, an offense as a whole. Like we're not, I'm paraphrasing here, but would say when they're playing soft, when would, would vocalize, you know, when he thought they were being front runners, yep. when they were not living up to the expectation that Delaney Walker held himself at. 
and that the Titans is an organization. Well, I think that that guy is Mike, but Mike is very, very public about saying, you know, the locker room is not my space. The locker room is yeah, not my place to be. Co- you can't have the coach be that person. They can be strong. And, you know, he obviously um, is respected and the guys love him. And, and even when he was a player, he was, I mean, he was that guy when he was a player. He's no Teddy Bruschi. He tells me all these stories about what he was like. Oh God, uh, I can't imagine. <laughs> Young uh, Mike Vrabel's probably. <laughs> but the, the part that they always talk about, and, and, and I know you, you cover this team so well, you know, you know the stories about just for, forget the fact that, you know, he has a, a presence about him and isn't scared to have confrontation, but there, there's, there's an intelligence there that is impressive, which is, you know, I've heard stories of him going at Belichick in meetings and, and not backing down and Belichick adjusting what they were doing because of what Vrabel pointed out. Um, so, you know, Teddy always said that, like, the, the, it was, there was a, always a respect for him because he always, ex, you know, what he wanted everyone else to do, Mike was doing himself, you know? So it's not like he was, you know, preaching and I'm not being able to back it up. So, uh, I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he's searching for that guy on his team. Now, you know, who's going to be the Teddy Bruschi on his team? Who's going to be the Mike Rimmel? And it, it can't be the head coach for sure. Definitely can't. I think A.J. Brown and Jeffrey Simmons, respectively, have that potential. Uh, oh, and yeah. I think I think we saw Jeff this year kind of step in. I mean, he breaks down the huddle. I know that's a small thing, but he is the person that they rally around. He is probably the most uh, the most. I mean, in a way that like we miss from a from a local media perspective, we miss Logan Ryan, we miss Jarrell Casey, we miss Wesley Woodyard, we miss Delaney Walker, because those were the guys that you could go to when you need a, a, an open and honest moment about what exactly is happening with the team. And, and Simmons, AJ, to a, to a lesser degree, I don't think he's as comfortable with us yet. And Zoom makes all of these things uncomfortable because you can't see our faces and we're just boxes yammering at you, uh, oftentimes with echoes or with connections that make us sound like we're coming in from Mars. It's terrible. Uh, but Jeff has kind of has kind of started that. So I, I think I think your point is well made about that, about that needing to be needing to be or a, a part that was lacking this year in a, in a time when they needed accountability, specifically on the defensive side of the ball or somebody to hold them to account. Nobody's asking them to take take each other out in the media. But I do think that it can help kind of get people yeah. to notice a little more when when your public comments and the things that are being written about are, are not necessarily indictments of your teammates, but just kind of like, Hey, wake up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, and not even going through the media, I mean, just going up to it's just, just making it an issue, making, yeah. holding your, your, your teammates to a really high standard. You know, I'm not saying go pull a JJ Watt and tell the media about all that. You know, I, I, that's, oh my was- God, Diana! I asked Tannehill about that the week before they played Houston. He wanted no part. Of, it almost sounded like a shot. He was like, "Yeah, I don't do things that way." <laughs> but he wanted no part of that. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 it was weird because the media really embraced that. They were like, "Ah, oh, it's amazing." Because it was for us. It wasn't. For, it wasn't for You're the team. Right. It was for us. It's so true. We're so selfish. We're just like, if you give us access, we love you. Tell, mean- us, tell us something, please, and, and we'll. T- <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it is, you know, this is a, and we'll do a little inside baseball. I don't want to keep you, I don't want to keep you too long, but people do enjoy the inside baseball stuff. And there were some comments made here in the local media that I think are worth talking about before we get you out of here. Um, but I do think that it is, it is kind of a balance in, in new, not new media is probably the wrong, the wrong word for it, 
but just kind of how, how, how little these guys need us as much as they used to anymore. And the way that as a result, some, some of us, and it's, it's not, you know, it's not, not, not the name names or not to call people out, but you do kind of adjust the way that you, that you perceive or that you consume these things uh, because it is, it is something to have for people in the media to, to use and to distribute to the public and, and make us feel, I, I don't make us not make us feel better. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm saying it poorly. Yeah. I, I think, I think fans and media, we, we want a, a coach that, you know, gives a press conference and it, and they're nice and they're courteous and they're personable and, we, we want to feel respected. Um, but that's just, that's just not how it works. That's not how it goes. And, you know, one of the things I've always noticed when I've covered the Titans and the press conferences that, I, that I've been able to attend, there's a lot of confrontation and a lot of baiting, um, which I'm not sure if that's to get sound bites or to get headlines. I've done it myself. I've done it. Most of my career, I know sometimes you got to just ask the question to get the response. I did it to Mike on Sunday. Yep. Um, but I think what happens sometimes is people, reporters, we get frustrated when we're not getting the answers we want when it's boring. And I, Mike Vrabel reads from the book of boring. He is a really boring listen, but boring is good for the organization. Yeah. And that's why I've always respected the way he conducts himself because he's not doing anything. He's everything he's doing is in the good for the team. It's always about the team for him. So while we hate that he won't give us injury updates, while we hate that he won't address the Isaiah Wilson thing, the way he needed to and earlier and the clowny stuff when that was floating around, like he just avoids, but in his mind, I'm sure it's, I don't need to tell you, I don't need, I don't have to do anything. So you know, when, when I've seen, you know, local reporters talking about how he's got a bad attitude, I look, I, I, I enjoy covering the Titans. I enjoy covering Mike Brimble. I always have, uh, he and I've had, a have, we've had spats before I've had it with every head coach. They're not always going to like what you say, but I think if you show that, you know, what you're talking about, you respect them. You got to just hope that that respect comes back at you. Try covering other teams. That that's always like my thought whenever I hear people concerned that oh this coach is this this oh gosh, there's some tough coaches out there. A lot tougher than Mike Vrabel. Well, and when and maybe maybe not maybe not physically, which is what you asked him on Sunday, which was which was tremendous. <laughs> which fuck, I... I'm so glad that uh, we <laughs> talked. So you know, I don't mind talking about it. You know, the game is on our air, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a big deal. And um, my last interaction with Mike. It, I wouldn't say it was great. It was just like we, were, we had some conflict about something I reported. It was, it was a while before this interview. So I remember thinking when I put the request in, like, this is going to get denied. This is definitely going to get denied. Uh, so when, when they said it's okay, I can interview him be, only because it's on our air, which is probably why he had to do it. Oh. Um, I was just thinking as he was talking, I got to ask him about this fight thing. In his first playoff game at home here in Nashville, Mike, how do you think your team matches up against this Ravens offense? Well, I mean, they're explosive. We got a lot of, um, you know, respect for these guys and what they've done the last five weeks. And, but I do think that we understand what to do, and I think the guys uh, believe in what we're coaching them. 
I saw that you said that this team practiced really well. In fact, you called it the best practice you guys have had all week. Why? Well, I think when you look at what they do, they, they're so unusual uh, and unique throughout the NFL that uh, Wednesday's practice probably doesn't look very good trying to get ready for these guys. And I think by the time we got to Saturday, uh, I saw guys that were locked in and ready to go and communicating. Last time you guys played, played the Ravens, there was a lot of trash talking, a little logo drama. You and Coach Harbaugh had some words there. What message did you give your team this week to make sure they're controlling their emotions? Well, listen, this game is emotional. Uh, they play a certain style that we respect, and you know, I hope that we play the same style, which is tough and physical. And uh, But all that stuff that happens, anything that happens before the game isn't going to make a difference uh, during the game. You're always really loose on game day, so I feel like i got to ask you this. After you and Harbaugh got into it a little bit, everyone started to talk about it. Would Mike Vrabel be able to beat up John Harbaugh if they had to fight? So what's the answer there? I mean, come on, Diana. If me fighting coaches was going to make a difference in us winning, I would fight them all. But it's not. It's going to be the players that are going to determine the outcome today. All right, Coach. Thank you so Thank much. You. I think a lot of people are still taking you. Guys, back to you. I got it because it's all anyone talks about. Like As exciting as this game is, and then you got to weigh this professionalism with this sort of new age way of doing things and finding ways to humanize people. Yeah. And I just was like, I'm going for it. I'm doing it. He's going to bite my head off, but I'm going to go for it. And he was great. Like, oh, he was great. Which oh, is like, Diana, this, this, this incredibly, it's, I, 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 I can't, I mean, it, it's, a, it's just, it's a shit eating grin that he had on his face. Like the way yeah. that he responded when you asked him the question and then, and then, you know, if I, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have the exact quote in front of me. We'll, we'll put it in the podcast after the fact for people, but just to say, you know, if I thought it would help, if I thought it would help my team win games, to fight every uh to fight every other head coach, I'd fight every other head coach. But the, you know, it's about the players and on and on. And he and he got back to it. Did but... you see the inside the did you see the inside the NFL clip of it? No, I haven't yet. I okay, have so not there's yet. a clip out there. He went up to John Harbaugh to yeah. say hello to him, and they were talking. And John says, "Can you believe this? All this talk about us fighting?" <laughs> and Frank goes, "Yeah, I was just asked about it actually." And I said, "If me winning meant..." Like beating up every every coach, I do it. And he's like, yeah. I mean, and John goes, yeah. I mean, like the guy's six five. Do they think I'm actually going to be able to beat him up? <laughs> so they have like a whole conversation about it too. So it's just like it just goes to show you, like sometimes you got to take those chances and, and ask it. I did it with with Mike Tomlin two years ago. Uh, it was week fourteen. Le'Veon Bell still hadn't shown up. I had Mike pregame, and we I asked very easy fluff questions. And my, it was the same feeling I had with Rabel on Sunday. I was like, I have to ask this question. I have to. And I said, Le'Veon Bell still isn't here. What is your message to him? Right. Which at this point, Tommen never commented on it in press conferences. Right. He would go no comment. And he just broke. He just, he goes, um, well, my message to him would be, we want volunteers, not hostages on the Pittsburgh Steelers team. <laughs> It was and such I a good quote. Died. I was like, did he just say that? Just like and an I, internal fist pump because you got the, oh, I mean, oh, so Mike good. Tomlin didn't talk to me for a year. <laughs> <laughs> like a full calendar year. Oh God. But and you, now, we're, now we're good. No, but you did your job. And, and, and so this is, this is a long way of, of circling back to, so Corey Curtis is, is a friend of mine. He works for channel two here. He's a, he's a regular guest co-host on the podcast. I love Corey, but what he did yesterday was talk about Mike Rabel's bad attitude in a way that 
went it, not maybe not viral but locally viral emily and i texted about it earlier today i'm i'm about done with mike Vrabel's attitude um i just am um what were your takeaways um from the head coach's comments today we'll start with him and then we'll go to the players you can't just say that and then move on yeah, go ahead and ask you me a elaborate. question what ask me i just i i look Every time a question is asked, he acts like it's stupid, horrible, dumb, and and he's and he's really dismissive of all of them, like we're all beneath him. And I'm and I look, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. He hasn't been to a Super Bowl. If you're gonna act that way, win some games, all right? Win some more games, because okay. I, I I've got no time for it anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm checked out. If you want respect, you got to show some respect. And I don't I don't feel like. Mike Vrabel's giving anybody any kind of respect whatsoever. I'm not asking for pe- tears. I'm not asking for pity. I'm just saying I'm done with press conferences that are a waste of my time. That's that's what I'm done with. Uh, and and oh, again, we'll put the clip in for people after the fact. But it what it kind of what kind of boils down to is you have the perspective of covering many many football teams. Uh, across the National Football League. And and we, you know, at least for me, this is the only team that I've covered, so I only have that as a frame of reference. M- Malarkey's last year was my first year out of college, so I wasn't, I wasn't asking anybody anything. I was terrified of doing my job at that point. But then Mike Vrabel is somebody who I'm honestly grateful that we get to we get to have the way that Mike – we get to have Mike the way that he is, even if sometimes he's sedated on a Tuesday in week eight – or whatever. Like, I understand that, one, it doesn't benefit him to say anything to us that doesn't help his team win football games, which is something that he has casually start, started to evolve into now three years into the job. But what Corey did yesterday was, was take a shot at Mike in a way that didn't make sense to me because it was at a point in time when we won't see Mike for, I mean, virtually, physically, or otherwise, probably until whatever the NFL combine looks like in the availability that they have to give to us. And so my, my larger issue with something like that, and I talked to Corey about this, is that what, where was this when the defense sucked and Mike Vrabel is saying that there's no, it's not on the part of the coaching, which, you know, turns out it wasn't, it was a personnel issue, but these are, these are conversations for a different day. Uh, <laughs> but where, where was this when, when there is the opportunity for pushback from the head coach not on the last day of school when we're all walking out the door and you know you're not going to have to see this dude for a couple months. That's why I think there was such a big, big pushback on yeah. what Corey Curtis said. Yeah, there, and there's an old journalism rule too. Um, this is like real old school way of looking at it. But if you are, uh, if you write for a newspaper and you write a crushing article about a team, no matter what it is, you show up the next day to that locker room. You show up. It's just what you do. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, so to comment on his attitude, which would he makes some good points, but Mike's not flowery, um, you know. But this is someone who played in the NFL. He's got three Super Bowl rings. He was a college All American. Like this person knows about football. Yep. He knows what he's doing. Um, and just to give him more perspective, there's always a real shocking firing uh, in the NFL, right? There's always a coach that we didn't see coming. Peterson this year. Peterson maybe maybe was, some people, maybe some people saw. No, nah, yeah, you're right. There's there a little bit, but but as of last week, from the people I was talking to, he was safe. Yeah. So yeah, Peterson's a good a good call. But there's always one a year where they, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And so just in case, 
I never in a million years thought Mike Vrabel would get fired. Um, When I started to talk to some big time coaching aid coaches, agents, I was digging on it. Have you heard anything about Mike Vrabel perhaps getting fired? And two guys I talked to the laughs I got from one and the other goes, do you know that that guy would have a job before he even told his family he was fired? 1000%. And I think that's what, I think what happens sometimes is when you have something in front of you um, and you're picking at it because you want it to be perfect and it's not perfect yet. Uh, and it may never be perfect, but the things that are the most important when it comes to a head coach, he has it. Yeah. Mike Ribble is going to be a really successful head coach, no matter where he is, because he has the personality, the knowledge, the respect, um, the commitment, the discipline, all the things that come with it. Um, so I think sometimes the media and the fans need to maybe recognize what they could be dealing with instead of feeling maybe being a little spoiled with what they have. Yeah. yeah. What, what other head coach is going to interact with us in the zoom chat while we're asking questions and rip up on us. It's not, amazing. not one of them. Not one. Of, like I talked to our friend, Mike Giardi about this and he, he maintains that the Titans media core and the interaction that we have with Vrabel as a result is one of the best because it's, it's lax. It's, you know, even if the questions are and the responses are sometimes mundane as they are throughout the course of a regular season, it's a slog, uh, but it's, it's just a different, it's a unique dynamic that I appreciate. It, it, is unique. It, it took me a minute to learn it by the way. Cause when <laughs> I started covering the Titans like two years ago and I went to a press conference in person, I was like, what is this? What is happening? <laughs> Who is Teresa? Why is, why does she get the first question? The goat. And- why is Paul screaming? Like, what is happening? <laughs> and, and now there's like, there's just a vibe to it. Oh, and I, I love that group. It's just, I think everyone needs to stop being so sensitive. Well, he hit him. Corey hit him with the Stugats. Win, win more games. You know, win more games. He says it's just eleven and five, three-time Super Bowl champion. What, what are you talking about? Win more games. That's you know. Anyway, uh, you, you're I, you've you've been far too generous with your time. I'm gonna get you the hell out of here on this one. Uh, you live in New Jersey. You're, I know you don't cover uh, losing football teams, but you're right by the Giants and the Jets. The Jets specifically. Art Smith, future Jets head coach? Oh, I'm feeling it. Uh, Are you really? <laughs> I, I heard, I, yeah, I am. I heard the interview went very well. Okay. Um, I know they like him. Uh, we'll just see if it pans out. Um, I will be surprised if Arthur Smith does not have a head coaching job. Put it that way. I, um, I I think I think the Titans know. I think Ryan Tannehill knew. I, I think I think everyone kind of gets it. Like, there's going to be a new offensive coordinator in town, um, and that's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, they're going to promote within. They're going to go try try to find a guy. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see when it happens. As Mike Vrabel says, let's wait to see if Arthur gets a job first before we talk. <laughs> Somebody asked him, you know, do you, do you have a timeline for when Arthur Smith is going to get hired? And he just looked at him like, do I have a timeline on when an NFL owner is going to hire my offensive coordinator? No, I do not have that timeline. People are going to be pissed when Shane Bowen's the defensive coordinator next year. And I think, uh, I think Todd Downing, the tight ends coach, has as good a shot as anybody. I agree. Um, given given I agree. previous experience. Diana Russini, ESPN. You can see her on Get Up. You can see her all across their platforms at Diana ESPN is where you can follow her on the socials. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today on the pod. It's always fun to catch up, and I and we won't we won't see each other for a while, but uh, it's always fun when we get to. And now it's going to be a while, but uh, I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on again. I love the show. Five good minutes coming up on the NFL offseason, specifically 
Well, actually, not specifically for the Titans. I'm just going to talk about the NFL offseason in general because there are some very, very pressing issues which I feel like are going swept under the rug. We'll get to that here in just a second right after I remind you about our friends at Tame the Beast. It's a new year. And that just because the new year has passed does not mean that you don't have the opportunity to get a new scent. Not just a new scent, but good stuff from the earth for your skin, your scalp, everything in between. And to save some money with the promo code BEAST2020 at GetBeast.com. That's where you go for all of their great personal care and grooming products, courtesy of Tame the Beast. I love particularly... Uh, the beard oil. I've talked about it at length. The shaving cream for me is a big hit because it keeps my skin from getting bumpy on my neck when I try and keep myself from having an Andrew Luck neck beard. It's a terrible look. And I have long since put off shaving, not long since put off shaving my neck, but you know what I mean. I don't like shaving my neck because what other shaving creams make my skin or make my skin react to. It's just a very unpleasant feeling for me. That is alleviated with the Beast Shaving Cream that I use, among the many great Beast products that I use, and I save some cash on using that promo code BEAST2020 at GetBeast.com. Groom boldly. Be a beast, courtesy of our friends at Tame the Beast. Five good minutes. The NFL offseason. This has been a situation that, you know, I don't know how many people have... I don't know how many people have ever or really taken the time in the last, it's not even been a week since the Tennessee Titans lost, but just kind of taking a step back to think about what the hell this NFL offseason is going to look like. Because I honestly don't know. As we sit here, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, their basketball game that was scheduled for tonight, it's been postponed to Saturday due to COVID-19. And that is not necessarily correlated with the NFL offseason, but it is to a degree because we are still in the midst of this thing. And we all have COVID fatigue, understandably so. But the more I was thinking about it, as I was kind of getting my plan for the offseason together, trying to schedule out, you know, when I might prepare and and book my hotel for the NFL Combine, which I don't know how it's going to take place this year because of COVID-19. Trying to make my plans for the Senior Bowl which I don't know how it's going to be held because of COVID-19. A virtual draft is so far away that it almost, you struggle to think about it, but free agency's not. And now NFL teams will have to adapt or try and figure out how to go about this thing once again, because we're still in the midst of the global pandemic. This is the thing that's kind of really bothered me over the last two days as I've, I've tried to put my plans together to try and figure out how best to cover your football team. And again, I'm faced with this stark reality that we are just still maybe not in the middle. Maybe we have crossed some kind of turning point with the distribution of vaccines, but you see how slowly that's happening across the country, and particularly how slowly that's happening in the great state of Tennessee. We're in a bad spot. We continue to be in a bad spot. And I'm very, very concerned about what this will do not just to the coverage that we're able to provide for you, because you know we'll find a way to give you great Tennessee Titans coverage regardless, but what it's going to do to my personal life. I mean, my God, the combine is something I look forward to every year. It's the NFL spring break. We were talking about it with Diana. Do you know how much I miss the ability to go to Kilroy's with all of the biggest people, all of the biggest names 
in the NFL to drink at my college bar with everybody in the league as we're all there. I mean, yes, we're there for the scouting combine, of course, but we're really all there to just hobnob. Like, it's it's very depressing to me. And so I tried to make... <laughs> The more I talk about this, the more that I, I, I'm not even concerned as much for you guys as I am for me, because damn it, I love the combine and it's in February or it's supposed to be in February. I don't know how they do it because that's the last normal event that we had in the NFL. It's just deeply concerning. And so as we move forward, we're going to have to figure out how this thing gets done and ultimately how the effects of COVID what lasting repercussions they will have on the events that we have done so, you know, so routinely throughout the course of the NFL calendar. I think there is a great deal of the NFL combine that gets eliminated because of how much easier stuff is to do virtually. And you don't necessarily need to bring the whole NFL to Indianapolis for a weekend in February for us to all get drunk as rats in the bars around the Indiana Convention Center and then show up to talk to prospects as they get ready for the most important moment of their life when they get drafted ultimately into the league. I don't know what's going to look like. I'm very concerned. Five good minutes here on a Tuesday on the 615 Sessions podcast. That's going to do it for us this week. We are back to our normal schedule Tuesday and Thursday in this new year. We'll have great conversations ahead for you as we foray into the offseason. The Titans picking 22 overall, and you know we'll have great coverage and great conversations surrounding it on the pod. We'll also have great questions, which you guys can continue to send to me for the Music City mailbag that we'll do on Thursday. The way that you go about that is by sliding into my DMs on Instagram, Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G, at Buck Rising on Insta. You can get into my DMs. You can leave your questions, your comments, and concerns. They will be read aloud as a part of the Music City mailbag on every Thursday thereafter make sure that you're supporting the people who support this show that's two rivers ford and tame the beast great local businesses that provide great and exceptional customer service to you here in middle tennessee i will speak to you next on the thursday podcast i think we're going to bring back our friends from the f-words pod it's been a minute since we've had them on now i say that out loud before i've actually texted them so they very well could tell me to kick rocks but who knows we'll find out who's on the podcast on Thursday. But in the meantime, I need you to stay safe. I need you to stay clean so I can go and get drunk in Indianapolis with all of my football friends at the Combine. And as always, Nashville, I need you to stay hot. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by Two Rivers Ford, and it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.